Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 141. I am here with a frequent guest of the pod, although she has not been on in a while. My sister, Melissa. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank Back. you. Thank Back. you for being here. Um, this, this is interesting because mm-hmm. normally I record this um, live and in person, but as we will get into later because it's the only question we got (laughs) oh man well we also didn't let those questions stay up for a long time that's true we we decided very last minute yes we knew we wanted to do a kind of an update episode because um if you're listening to this in real time tomorrow may 26th today okay i'm sorry you're right okay we're recording this in real time we're recording this the day before so if you're listening to this today when it comes out um it is may 26th and it is the one year cancer anniversary or what words do you like to use well i say cancer anniversary it's really the one year anniversary of me having this massive seizure that i just i mean there's so many dates but like this is the date that started everything because like from this day is when I went to the ER and then I went to got taken an ambulance to another hospital and got my biopsy and like didn't come out of the hospital for like a week and basically this is just the day that like kicked it all off so instead of like noting every day which like in my head I will note but like this May 26th I mean like my life changed forever May 26 2020. So it has been one year since I have been dealing with basically my brain cancer. Yes. Yeah. I know, like you said, this, because you didn't actually get diagnosed for like, I think almost a month. No, 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 no. I got diagnosed on June 9th. Okay. June 9th was the day we like Zoomed with her and she told me what what it was because I had the biopsy um I don't know I had the biopsy like right after within a few days after May 26th so I mean I can like I can cliff's notes you know a lot of this stuff and I'm sure you can help me with it too because I'm sure people haven't listened to you know all the all the episodes and you know well, if people want to listen to um, that first episode that you were on, I will, I can put it in the show notes. I think it's somewhere in the 70s. Um, well, that's not the first episode you were on, but the first episode where we talked about everything that had happened. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was not too long after, um, it was like right before you were going in for your big surgery. So it would have been yeah. like that we, um... my big surgery was June 6th. Yeah, so I think it was like the week before that we I got my diagnosis June 9th and basically within a week I was having the big surgery. Yeah. 
So it all happened really quickly, which is why I'm saying like May 26th is the day it all started. Yes. And May 26th was definitely the day, like you said, like that was like when everything changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that day, now it's been a year, which is completely insane that that was a year ago. I mean, I can't even believe it. Yeah. Okay. So let's just, instead of doing, all right, let's, let's pretend like everyone's listened to that, that first episode where we really kind of went into detail. I mean, I'm sure some events might come out as we're talking, but I guess that would be like, my first question is like, how does it feel to be like a year out from that whole situation? Um, I would say I'm doing a lot better than I ever would have thought I would be doing. You care to elaborate? <laughs> sure. Um, I just, I mean, getting that news was so shocking mm-hmm. and especially because physically, like I was going through so much. I had t- basically two brain surgeries immediately, um, I was having seizures. I was on really strong seizure medication. Um, and it was just like the most devastating thing that you could possibly imagine. And I still feel that way. I mean, I still feel like it is, you know, it's like, it's a nightmare and it's even worse than it sounds, but I just feel adjusted, more adjusted. And there's like a lot of cancer groups that I follow and like cancer, brain cancer circles that I'm in. And one of the questions people ask is like, does it feel like a sickness or it feels like a chronic illness that you have to deal with? And I would say like, mostly it just feels like a chronic illness that I manage. Like it doesn't feel like, yes, of course. I think about it every day, like, you know, I feel like it's the largest part of my life right now still. Um, But for the most part, it's not like, I don't, you know, I mean, I can't even think of the last time, like I cried about it. Like, I mean, I just, I'm, it's just, I'm very, I don't want to say very adjusted, but like, I'm so much more adjusted to it than I would have ever thought a year ago. Yeah, I like that you use the word adjusted. I feel like that's a good word to describe. Um, just like the the feelings, like how you said, like it's so shocking at first and it's like hard to just kind of wrap your head around it. And it's not that it's it's like easier to deal with, but I think adjusted is a good word because it's like it has become like just kind of part of the norm. Yeah. I mean, it's my new norm. I think most people know, but, um, probably the worst part of all of this is that my vision was very affected and I have no left peripheral vision in either of my eyes, which means I can't drive. So honestly, that was, that's been like the very biggest blow because not driving and just feeling like really vulnerable, getting used to my new vision has really felt like almost all of my independence was taken from me. So that has been 
hugely difficult to acclimate to because I consider myself a very independent person and to have to rely on other people a lot and just not rely on myself. I always, you know, would just rely on myself for everything. And I was always just a very capable person. So to not be able to do things as easily, like to think like, okay, I mean, if I did sad my vision, I could just drive myself to doctor's appointments, but like now I have to get rides, you know? So, and I mean, it's been totally it's been manageable because I have a lot of generous people in my life who, you know, are very there for me and help out a lot. Um, but it still completely sucks to not be able to drive and to feel really out of place. Like this weird sense of like um, uncertainty anytime I go anywhere because I just can't see the way I used to like, I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten more adjusted because it's been a year, but it's still something that I deal with every single day. The vision problem. Yeah. The vision is definitely the biggest thing because other than that, I mean, right after all your surgeries, like you had some, you know, like deficits, like physically that you were dealing with. But I I mean, I don't even think any of those have really, has, has anything lasted? I mean, I still think I walk funny. I'm still really slow on the stairs. Like, I always hold the railing. Like, I don't just do stairs without the railing. Um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe I should go back to PT and, like, fix that. But when I was doing PT before, it was from radiation, and I was just too exhausted to continue. Um, So, I yeah, I definitely think, like, I walk kind of funny and the stairs. And I just, like, my balance is just not good. Like, I pretty much always have to sit down and put my shoes on, um, which is not, you know, how it used to be. I could just slide my shoes on. Um, And, of course, like, I don't have a lot of feeling in my left foot or leg. So I can't wear, like, slides or any shoes or flip-flops, or, like, anything that's not, like, fully attached to my foot. So, like, that hasn't improved since in the last year. And that's not, like, c- catastrophic, but it is, like, a factor when I, you know, need to buy shoes or need to shoes on. So, yes, there are some physical difficulties, but the vision and the driving, I would say, are the worst. For people who don't know, Melissa buys... A lot of shoes. <laughs> I do, but I return all. I don't keep them. No, she doesn't. I've probably kept like three pairs of shoes, but like I have really oddly sized feet. I didn't. I think I'm like a ten and a half narrow, <laughs> which like they don't make. Like my feet are very skinny. I for as big as they are, like sometimes I have to take an eleven, <laughs> but like my ankles are really skinny, so like I'd have to like make new holes if I was wearing um like sandals that buckle around the ankle. I don't know. So yes, I buy and return a lot of shoes. I think I'm finally at a place where I'm okay with what I've got. Um, But yeah, the shoe thing has been an ordeal. It's just hilarious because like, at like when she lived here, there was constantly shoe orders and now she lives at my parents' house. (laughs) And every time I go there, there's more shoes on the porch for her. (laughs) I go to the UPS store and return stuff to Amazon a lot. 
Now I think I'm finally, I mean, I'm not going to buy any more shoes, but I now like the last pair I bought, I just went to Nordstrom Rack and tried them on. And the ones before that I went to DSW and tried them on because shoes are just too hard. Like, especially when you have weird feet like me, like 10 and a half narrow or whatever, (laughs) sometimes 11. They don't, I mean, they do, they do, they straight up don't make 10 and a half narrow. So I have to make like 10s and 11s work. And sometimes they don't even have 10 and a half. So Anyways, enough about me. <laughs> what a life. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you should have listened to your smart sister before and gone and tried shoes out at the store, which is what I was telling you to do forever. Who cares? It's fun. <laughs> I mean, getting packages and then returning them is super fun. What well, else do I what else, literally what else do I have to do? Yeah, getting them is fun. Returning them is Oh, I like returning. Okay. And you get the money back and then you get to go then the next time you buy some on Amazon, it's like you're not really paying because you're already <laughs> you pay your turn, you know. You're just rolling over that money, roll it over again. Mm-hmm. Well, there you oh go. yeah. Um, yes, I would say like to the naked eye, I don't think you walk funny. I haven't noticed that. Um, I guess I would say you're a little bit slower overall, or just like slower on the stairs. Um, but yeah, definitely the vision stuff because like even when you go to like sit down or like we were at. We were at a, a like a back a barbecue over the weekend, and she was like having trouble like balancing like her plate and then trying to like get into her seat. Like it, it. I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like you know it's a big deal. I don't know how it feels to you, but it's like little stuff that you would have, you know, done before without batting an eye. Like take some thought now. Yeah. So that's hard. I mean, I'm just not used to being someone who has any deficits in that way. Like no physical deficits. Like. I just, I don't know. I've just always thought of myself as extremely capable and like could basically handle anything that came my way. So like having just struggle a little with that kind of stuff is a new realm for me. I mean, I still think you're really capable. It's just different now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, It is different for sure. But I mean... I guess, I mean, mean, it's whatever. It's not like, it doesn't keep me from doing anything. Um, You know, I'm still like living my life the best I can. I just, you know, not driving and having to get rides everywhere is a real pain in the keister. The old keister. The old keist. So what else? Um, You mentioned that you have like, been a part of some online support groups and just I mean I know you follow like different Instagram pages obviously people listening to this show you know know how important it is to have like an online community Mm -hmm. for autism how has that been different or helpful to you because you you weren't a part of those for a long time but it seems like more recently you've gotten more into it Mm. it's been very great very necessary I mean basically like my diagnosis and like primary brain cancer in general, I mean, most of the people that I've met virtually are women who are around my age or younger and have this like devastating diagnosis that I have. It's really weird. I mean, there are men with it for sure, but like, I don't know if women are just more active on social media and talking about that stuff, but I've connected with a lot of amazing women who are either further along in their journey 
with cancer than me, not as far. Um, and like the cool, not really cool, but like the good thing is that, uh, like the standard of care in quotes for anyone with like a glioma, which is the broader, like I have an astrocytoma, which is a type of glioma. So we all do the same thing. We all have surgery to remove as much as we can, unless people's are inoperable, which a lot are. You do your surgery, you recover from surgery, then you start radiation and low dose of this drug called Temidar, which is chemo. And then you do that for like six weeks or something. And then you take a month off and then you do either six months or a year or sometimes even more of higher dose chemo. So that's the stage that I'm in right now. I hopefully will be starting my eighth cycle of chemo a week from today. Um, and I'm really trying to definitely start it a week from today. <laughs> yeah. Trying to like not tomorrow, whatever. Oh. Anyways, I'm going on vacation um, in a couple of weeks and I really want to get this. It's not like the biggest deal if I have to take it with me, but I will have to find a hospital or a place to get labs done because I have to do my get lab work done the day I start it or they won't let me start it. Like we have to make sure that like that day that I put the chemo in my body, like my white blood cell count is high enough. My blood platelets are high enough. So timing wise, I just really hope I can start it in a week. Um, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. I'm going to get blood, which sometimes kind of, um, signifies like how the next week will go, but sometimes the blood is gotten way better, gotten way worse and it's a wash. So it doesn't, we don't really know. So if everyone could just pray for me or like send me some good vibes, which I feel like I'm always saying, send me good vibes, um, that my, everything is good enough that I can start my eighth round of chemo because I don't want to take, I'm going to, I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Sanibel Island for a week for my family reunion. And I'm really excited. I'm going to see my cousins who a lot of them I don't get to see very often and they're wonderful. And then I'm going up to Orlando and meeting some of my friends who live in New York and we're going to go to Disney for four days. Um, so I desperately need this vacation. I'm a little nervous, but really excited. Um, but I really like to finish my chemo before I go and not have to worry about it. Yeah. I think just for people who maybe don't know, cause you haven't been on in a while. I don't think that the whole like issue with, um, when you had to have the transfusion, I don't think that you had been on or we hadn't done like an updated episode since then. But the reason why she's saying that is because like she was saying, she has to do the blood work like every time she starts a new round of chemo. And yeah, so she'll do the blood work the week before and then the day of, and then wait to kind of get the okay to take the chemo because if her platelets get too low or her blood white blood cell count gets too low, then they have to push it off. So this was back in like what, February? Yeah, I think so. I think it was February. Um, we had gone to, you know, have, have her, her blood checked out. And the week before it was pretty low. I can't remember. Cause your doctor did say something like, yeah, if it gets lower, we may need to do a transfusion. So it wasn't like, it was like a complete shock, but I had dropped you off and like not gone in with you that time. And I like went to run an errand or something. And when I came back, she was like, 
just like a mess because they were like, yeah, it's really low. You need to come back and have a transfusion. Yeah. And I have, I only had to get that one, which is Mm -hmm. great. Um, Hopefully I won't have to do it again. It wasn't like, I mean, it's not like the biggest deal in the world, but it is just kind of a pain in the butt and it sets everything back. So um, fingers crossed. I won't have to get any more transfusions, especially like not this cycle because I just want to take my trip and not have to worry about anything but um yeah the transfusion it's just kind of a pain you go to like the the lab this like the chemo infusion center and like I went and they ran out of platelets like my appointment was in the morning and but they still ran out of platelets had to get them from another hospital but I was like already hooked up to the IV and it was just a real pain and um yeah so please donate blood if you're able um Cause yeah, I ran, we ran out of it. I eventually got it and was eventually able to like start my next round of chemo, but it was just kind of an an extra thing that I didn't want to deal with. So I'd be really disappointed if I have to do that again anytime soon. Knock on wood. Well, that was when that was like the cycle after you had, they had upped your dose and it was a higher dose. Now you're back on like a more like a lower dose the only concern is that i was sick like i had ex- i was sick last week or the week before mm-hmm. and i have no idea like how my blood is doing like i don't know if it was that was affected like i think i just had a cold like i went to urgent care and they tested me for absolutely everything and i didn't have anything so we kind of just concluded that i had a cold but just hopefully that didn't mess up my healthy good blood too much well i'll know know tomorrow cross our fingers cross our fingers continue with your your cycle as it is Mm -hmm. um all right so i feel like we've talked about some kind of um medical stuff Mm -hmm. how do you feel like you're doing you know like we were saying like a year out from this like just emotionally and like with um just going forward, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling okay. Um, it's really hard. It's like, it's really weird. Like, and I do think a lot of how I feel is kind of dictated by like what I see in like my cancer groups that day. Um, and sometimes I think like as helpful as sometimes they are to know that there's like people of a similar age that are in my same boat. Like if I see something sad, I get like discouraged. And if I see something good, I get hopeful. So sometimes I'm like, I need to just pause these for a while, especially just cause I'm like, I don't need to just have all this cancer, brain cancer. And like, that's like, I would say the majority of the accounts I follow, it's like brain cancer stuff. Mm -hmm. So, which it's like, I like feeling like there, you know, it's just a sense of community, but it's also like, you know, it can be really like doomsday and really hard to like see that stuff all day, every day. So, I mean, Overall, I really am just kind kind of trying to look at this as like a chronic illness that I have to manage and will manage for the rest of my life. Um, And at this point, like really the only way 
of like marking my, how I'm doing, marking my success, marking my whatever is scan. I get MRIs every three months. So I don't know how many I've had, maybe three, I don't know, four, three or four. Um, but that like the week leading up to an MRI is just like, I mean, it is so stressful. It is so hard to wait for that and then go through with it and just like the waiting game. And luckily every time, I mean, there are some people in my groups who are like, I have to wait three days for my MRI. Like I would just jump out of a window. So like I find out immediately, almost immediately, like an hour after my MRI or I have thus far. Um, But it is just so stressful because you just don't know the thing about brain cancer. And I've explained this a lot. It's like, it's your brain. It's like, it's not like breast cancer or testicular cancer where they can remove these organs and like almost like it's really hard for something to grow back. If it's not even the organ isn't even there, but like your brain, you have to keep your whole brain. So like, recurrence rates for brain cancer are really, really high. And they can never say at this point, if you have brain cancer, like they're never going to say like you're in remission. They might say like, there's no evidence of disease. Like my tumor could shrink enough that like they see absolutely nothing. I mean, I've heard people say that, but I don't even know. I mean, I don't know how if my doctor would even say something like that, you know, a lot also depends on your doctor. I also didn't talk about how I did, um, several months ago, I went in, I wouldn't even say it was a second opinion, but like, I have a interesting, well, almost non-existent relationship with my main doctor. So my neuro oncologist, um, I never, I didn't even need her until my last MRI, like throughout this entire, you know, cause I got diagnosed, everything happened right when COVID was like at its very worst. So I never even met this doctor who's my main, main, main doctor. And I have several doctors, but she's the main person who, um, basically sets up what I'm doing. And I've, n- I never met her until, uh, last month, April. And that you- was in person, you never met her in person. Yeah. yeah so like, we'd only zoomed, zoom. like she gave me my diagnosis over zoom. Like she told me I have cancer over zoom. She told me like, this is the average lifespan of someone who has this type of cancer over zoom. And I like, we never met. And I just, that really rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, I get that. Like there's this pandemic, but I mean, what I'm dealing with is a lot worse than like COVID. And I, I mean, I still feel that way. Um, so I'm like, why? I just wish you could like wear a mask and come into the office and like talk to me in person because this is such a hard thing to deal with, but especially over zoom, it was just like the most painful experience ever. So I did end up going to see another doctor at Northwestern, um, just to like feel him out. And, it wasn't a really good experience. Like he basically said, he was like, if I would have done your initial diagnosis, I would have graded your cancer higher. Like I would say your cancer is even worse than you were told. So that was really, really hard. I don't know when that was. 
I don't know. It was, uh, I think it was in like March because it was like right after you moved out. Okay. Really? That seems like not that long ago. March seems so recent. It wasn't that long ago. Well, I mean, it's it's two months ago. Yeah, it was a few months ago. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, So, yeah. So that's what he said. And I was just completely distraught by that because I was, I mean, this already is so horrible and traumatizing and catastrophic. And then when he told me that, and I was by myself too, I was all by myself, which I should not go to those kinds of events by myself. Um, And I was just so devastated and um, just felt re fully like re-traumatized. Like I had been re-diagnosed and it was awful. Um, And then I talked to my other doctors. I talked to my medical oncologist who I actually really love um, and who I've seen in person the whole time. He's the one who actually prescribes my chemo and I deal with him a lot more closely than I deal with my neuro oncologist. Um, So I talked to him and I eventually did talk to my neuro-oncologist too. And they basically reassured me that like, that is not what they see. They don't see it as worse than they told me. They really think it's, you know, a grade two, three, they're treating it as a three to be more aggressive. So that made me feel better. Um, but that was like a really low point. Um, like after that, because I just remember like I came out and I told my mom and I'm like, I can't live this way. Like, I can't live. Like, I can't do this. Like, I've never, I had no idea that like, I could be in so much pain. Like, I had no idea that I could keep continuing to like walk around in this body when my heart was so broken. Like, and yeah, I mean, that was really, really, really hard. Um, but, you know, I mean, same with all this other SHIT. I just, you know, it's hard and you don't have, a ch- I don't have a choice. Like I just, I keep going and I have had breakdowns and I have, you know, lost, lost it a bunch of times, but I mean, you know, the, there's a new day is a new day and you just gotta keep at it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, obviously everything that's happened, um, in the last like month with, um, Brian passing away, people who listen to the show probably know, but if there's anyone who isn't aware, my best friend's husband passed away very very unexpectedly um about a month ago he was running a marathon and uh it was like the last 50 yards of the marathon he literally just collapsed and by the time he got to the hospital he had no pulse um and melissa obviously knew him and was close with him too because she's been my best friend since high school um and it's been um really hard since he died it's been really really tough and i think like one of the things that I have said to Melissa a lot, like throughout this whole thing is that like, you know, as hard as this gets, like I still have hope for you and I still feel positive about your future. And then, you know, losing Brian, it just like it, it, for me, at least everything that's going on with you, like it gave me that renewed hope because I feel like 
you know, with Brian, it was like, he literally had no chance. And it was just like, his life was completely taken away from him. And with you, it's just such a different situation. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's easy or it's what I would want for you. Cause it's not, but there, we still have so much to be hopeful for. And that is just like what I hang my hat on. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. Um, yeah, there's a lot, you know, I'm still here. I'm doing well. Um, there are, you know, I have a good care plan and, you know, I'm just praying and praying for all my scans to be stable for and, um, yeah, it's just like, it's just so hard because it's just so unknown. And, you know, I, we, you know, and people are like, well, like that stupid doctor who, ugh, that jerk off, he was like, you could walk out of here and get hit by a bus. And I'm like, are you seriously an oncologist? Like, that is the worst thing you can say. I, I mean, that just makes me so mad because it's like, I don't need to get hit by a bus. I already have brain, like I all death warrant basically but like I don't know I could live for 25 30 years like we don't know and things are changing all the time and developing in the field of neuroscience and that's just what I you know I pray that like these amazing scientists and doctors like continue to develop new methods of treating brain cancer all cancers I mean, it's just, it's hard because brain cancer really is like the most deadly. I mean, it's, it's very deadly. Um, and I don't want to like put too fine a point on that, but at the same time, like, I don't want to, it is what, this is what I live with. Like, it's not, I don't want it to be like the focus of what I'm saying, because it's not like I wake up in the morning and think like, oh my God, here's my countdown. But like. I do have very deadly cancer in my brain. So, um, and I'm just, you know, I'm really trying to like, it's not like I'm like, Oh God, I need to make the most of every day. But like, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm living my life. I mean, there's still things that I want to like eventually accomplish and do, but, um, I don't know. My goals have really changed a lot since my diagnosis. Um, and just trying to like, you know, get to, get to a better place. Like, I think I'm okay right now, but like, better. I mean, chemo is very tiring. It really takes a lot out of me. Um, but yeah, I feel a year out. I feel pretty good. good Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i I, you know i can't i can't speak for you i think overall i think you're i'm I'm, again like i'm just glad that everything has come back stable and we have been lucky that you were able to you know a have the surgery and b have it be very very successful Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, like you said, just, like, have a good care plan. And I never 
would have advised you to see that other doctor. I always said that. I never really thought it was a good idea for you to do that, but it was something that you wanted to do. So you, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess. Are you glad that you did that or no? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm glad I did it. I just, I think like in general, a second opinion is a good idea. Like, I think it's a good idea to be as active in your treatment as possible. And I really didn't even want a second opinion from this guy. I was just hoping to meet a doctor that I gelled with more than my current woman. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, but I mean, it's all like a crapshoot. Truly, this is all a crapshoot. So I don't know. I don't like, I don't know if I regret it. It was really hard. It was like another hard thing to deal with. But there, I mean, this is hard. This is really hard. Like I've never, I mean, I mean, ever and I talked to were that is in my boat. We're like, this is by far in a way the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. Like, I mean, there's so many things you're giving up. There's things that you don't know if you're going to have to give up. There's like, there's so many decisions to make and it's really, really, really hard. Like I can't exaggerate or exacerbate that point enough it is very 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 hard which i mean i think people would assume it is yeah i don't think anyone's like no this is a cakewalk i i, I could do that right it's <laughs> it's really difficult i agree with what you said about being active in your treatment for sure or like just being you know an advocate for yourself i think is really important um i i just felt like from the beginning what I was thought was good about your team was that they were treating things aggressively. Like I always thought it was good that even though they said your tumor was like grade two or three, that they were treating it as a three. And also just that they, they were like you said in the beginning, everything was so quick in terms of your treatment, like getting, yeah. you know, having the surgery and then like, or yeah, the biopsy, then you have the surgery like right away and your, like radiation was kind of delayed a little bit just for like insurance stuff, but it was like, everything really did happen like really quickly. Mm -hmm. So I felt really confident in that team. Um, and then you also had said, I can't remember who it was that told you this, but it was like an outside person who, when they found out who your doctor was, they were like, Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah. Jenny told me that. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 your, your surgeon and mm -hmm. your, the um oncologist that you love so much like they mm -hmm. they both said the same thing like they were like she definitely doesn't have like the best bedside manner but like she's the one you want heading like steering the ship yeah and I mean I do I do feel that way I finally did get to meet her in person and she was exactly the way I thought she would be um she is abrasive um but like I don't know I mean I have a therapist I have friends I have you, I have their, their wonderful therapist. Like I have an emotional support team. So it's like, I can deal with like this woman, you know, not being very sensitive. Yeah. And I think I've said this before and I think it's true. I feel like I'm not sure 
if you like I, again I don't think that she's like has the best uh, just personality in general but I kind of feel like anyone who delivered that news to you would be seen as like the bad guy yeah probably I think part of it is has maybe that too yeah I agree but I'm glad you're like better just with the that whole thing now because I feel like yeah like you said I, I don't I don't think you need to like regret doing the second opinion but I guess it just gave you more kind of like made you feel yeah it just kind of reinforced like I'm like I'm in the right place I'm gonna stick with her and we'll just see we'll just play it out and you know we'll just continue with treatment and um she also like the other doctor he And she totally disagrees and is like, she's willing to, you know, move my dose up or down. And she even said, like, I, you know, you could possibly take do, do chemo for two years instead of just one, which I personally would like, if that's what she advises, I would be all for just because I have overall tolerated chemo very, very well. Um, a lot of people, even with the anti-nausea drugs are just constantly sick to the point where like their quality of life is bad and I don't feel that way I feel um fine just very exhausted but um you know I'm really lucky that chemo has been pretty much relatively a breeze relatively speaking compared to a lot of the horror stories I've heard yeah, I feel like especially in the last like maybe couple months, it seems like you have been um, more like, I mean, obviously still really tired, um, but like doing more, mm-hmm. which I mean, that could be also because you're vaccinated and like the weather is kind of warming up too. But it just seems like you're like you said, like you don't really let it stop you from doing things. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is that I don't have a job. So, I mean... <laughs> Like, I mean, it's good in that, like, I don't have to be up. Like, I mean, for the last, like, 10 years of my life, I had to wake up every day at 545. So, like, now I wake up at, today I woke up at, like, 1115. So (laughs) I just do whatever I want, and I get as much sleep as my body needs. I'm just, I'm, you know, I couldn't imagine, like, having to be up at 545 every day. That'd be insane. Um, no work today no work today yeah <laughs> yeah and I mean listen I come from a long line of people who like to sleep don't like to do a lot of work amen yeah so I mean I am not bored like I'm fine <laughs> I'm not bored <laughs> I'm not bored I mean I don't know. I mean, I just feel I'm not, and I don't beat myself up over like not working or not being productive. Like I have brain cancer. Like this is my time to like heal and recover. And, you know, I'm on chemo and the effects are cumulative throughout the month. It's like, I only take the pills for five days a month, but like, it's not like I'm sick those five days. I'm actually totally fine. Those five days. It's like throughout the month as those drugs like settle into my system, that's when I'm really exhausted, really tired. Just that's really it. I mean, I really don't get sick. I don't, I mean, I take 
these, I, trust me, I, one day I forgot my anti-nausea pill and I take my chemo at night before I go to bed and I forgot my anti-nausea pill and I woke up at like 6 a.m. projectile vomiting, <laughs> like truly like the exorcist, full <laughs> exorcism. Um, she texted and, me that morning and she's like, well, in case anyone is wondering, Zofran works. <laughs> yeah. Zofran really, really works on chemotherapy related nausea like holy crap I can't even imagine I don't think yeah I don't know if I would be able to continue with chemo if it didn't work and it it really doesn't work for some people and they put them on different anti-nausea meds and like some people just can't can't deal with it and sucks and I'm just knock on wood so glad that like I have tolerated it so well yeah, for sure. I took it when I was pregnant and it would work until it wore off. And then it was like, as soon as it wore off, I'd be puking again. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I am with that. Yeah. Um, since it was our, our only question, should we address the fact that you did move out? Sure. So, Melissa I mean, moved- <laughs> what'd you say? I said, so Melissa moved out. (laughs) Yeah. So I moved in with Megan. um, I moved in with Megan like in March of 2020. So the reason was just like it COVID had just hit. I lived alone in the city and we were, I was just like, I can't imagine like my bosses, I was a nanny and they were like, don't come to work while, you know, I mean, like it's stay at home orders. Like we didn't, nobody knew like what COVID was going to be, you know, we all know that. Like we had no idea. There were these rumors. What? People were saying about like, it was going to be like martial law. Like there was like all these crazy rumors coming out about like, we weren't going to be able to like leave our houses at all. Yeah. So basically, you know, they immediately like canceled school for the kids and, my my bosses were like stay home megan's kids were off school and i had already you know i've told said this a million times like i was planning on having a baby like i was you know that was my plan having a baby on my own um so i was kind of like this is sort of the perfect storm that like maybe i should just move in here i mean i don't know who brought it up i think it was a mutual decision so i moved in with them megan her husband and her kids and that was in march and um yeah so i think in the beginning it was fine um but then almost immediately they all got covid and then while they were barely recovered from covid we found out that i had brain cancer and it was just like you know I'm so so glad that like I was there you know I mean I can't even imagine if I would have had my seizure alone in my apartment like that would have been I don't I don't even know you know don't know what would have happened but like it was really good that like I really I would say like the kids were such an important part in me, like recovering, like emotionally and, you know, physically and just being around kids is so healing. So that was so important. And I mean, Megan really did everything for me at that time. Like you really did so, so, so much for me. And I mean, I was just a complete 
basket case. I was beyond basket case. I was a mess. <laughs> I was a full, like four, five alarm fire, four alarm fire. What do they say? I mean, like not only did I find out I had brain cancer, but like my vision was trashed. I was dealing with like, I had like gotten hired for a job and I was trying to like figure out a way to, when I could start the job and still do my treatment. There's just so much going on. That was when you guys were talking about moving out of state, like everything happened at once. And it was just like a complete cluster F. And, um, I would just say like, I mean, Megan and I definitely probably have different interpretations of this, but like, you know, just dealing with me and my cancer was too much for this house that already has little kids, autism, you know, a, a dog. Um, <laughs> that dog. <laughs> she's so high maintenance. Just kidding. She's the, best the reason. <laughs> um, a baby that refuses to get potty trained. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a cougar. Um, yeah, I just, you know, we weren't, we um we have different interpretations about this but I mean I will definitely say that like I would I mean I could never have gotten through the beginning without you like I'm so grateful for that like it was such a nightmare yeah and you really were there for me but yeah I mean it's definitely like yeah I mean it's just this is, I mean, every relationship that I know that's gone through brain cancer, it's like, it is, I mean, Megan went to therapy or she saw a counselor through a cancer center just to deal, be able to deal with me and my cancer because it's just like, it's not for the faint of heart and it affects everyone around you. Like it, it I mean, it definitely affects me the most, but it affects everyone. So it just really... Megan's already overloaded with her family and having me there, I just think was too much for both of us. So I, we decided that I would move in with my parents who graciously took me in and, you know, within the next calendar year, I want to not be lit. I want to buy a place and be out and, um, that's my plan. Um, I definitely don't want to live with my parents forever. Everything has to be modified by the fact that like I don't drive, but like I do have a plan, a loose plan of like when I'm going to move out, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to buy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yes. So no, we don't live together anymore. Um, I still feel like I have a strong relationship with the kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think, and I had said this to her like a couple months or maybe just a month before she moved out. But I was just like at that point, like starting to get really kind of burnt out because I mean, you know, Melissa and I have always had like a really close relationship, but we're sisters and like sisters. I mean, I don't know if all sisters are like this. I don't think I think we're a little bit extreme. I think we're uh, unique. We're, we're unique, but I think I think people with sisters will understand. I always say like we are just like to the extreme of like we love hard we fight hard and we've always been like that and obviously like just with everything that's happened this past year it was like a pressure cooker um 
just so much going on. And Melissa also, like, I don't think she would deny that she's just kind of like a difficult person in general. Um, and with her being here, you and mom, like, I'm like literally none of my other friends would say I'm difficult. They would say like I'm feisty, mm, but like I don't think they, I don't. I think your closest friends understand what I mean when I say that. <laughs> I mean. Like Mackenzie, Mackenzie, Gabby, Kimmy. I think these people understand what I mean. I'm I say- not. I would say I'm definitely not easygoing. I am not easy breezy, beautiful yeah. cover girl. Um, yeah, but I mean, definitely Megan, my immediate family, like sees that the most, and my bad qualities were definitely exacerbated by this cancer diagnosis. So, um. Yeah, it was so it was just like it was getting increasingly difficult to like just for me to kind of manage everything. And I said to her, I was like, I just think the longer you're here, the more it's going to like damage our relationship because I felt myself getting to that point of like extreme and just being like, I, I just I could tell I my, my I was really, you know, kind of burning the candle at both ends. Um, and as much as I like, obviously want to be like a, you know, supportive person to her and a good sister to her I I it's not like I I felt like I had like done kind of my share and I will continue to do my share but I thought you know I think it's time for like because that that was like this whole time it's been happening like people would constantly say to me like where's your mom and I'm like she's here she's there (laughs) but like it was always just like everything in the beginning especially like kind of just fell on me and as things kind of went on I felt like okay I don't have to be like the only person doing this stuff like there's other people that can help and I feel like that's kind of where we're at now is like there's because like you said you do have a lot of like supportive people but for the first like several months I was the only one doing those things now it's like it's kind of you know everything's sort of distributed well I just don't need I mean the only thing I need assistance with is riot not like like you were helping me put on my pajamas you know like I couldn't do stairs by myself like I'm just in a place now where just I'm a lot more able to do everything myself except excuse me I burped um except for drive so well I don't need like the constant help with the little stuff when you were here like every appointment fell on me like it was that was just what was going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas now like you have like obviously mom and dad, but also like you have other friends and stuff who have given you rides and it mm-hmm. just, like, it just it, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like the way that you explained it is right. I honestly, like, I just, I needed, um, I think we both needed some space from each other. I think we were just like getting to the, again, like love hard, fight hard, but like we were just getting to that point where it was like, we were starting to, um, have more like bitterness and especially for me like I didn't want the kids to like I don't care if they you know see us like bicker or whatever but like I didn't want them to like see us fighting I didn't want like that energy that negativeness like in the house like I was just like that's not good for them Mm -hmm. and so the nice thing now is like they have been going over to my mom's more and like they'll see Melissa there and like they love going to her house and they've even done like some sleepovers there which is really fun for them and they love it and then you know, you get to spend time with them. So yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't feel like it's like really affected anyone's relationships with you not being here because the truth is you, you lived here for like a year, but I mean, 
before that, it wasn't like you lived here. Right. But I probably came, I mean, I, I could drive, so I came over a lot more. Yeah, but. And the, I was a nanny, so I'd bring the girls over. Yeah, but the kids probably go to your, go to mom's house now, like, almost as much as you would have come here. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like they are over there, like, every other week, something like that. Yeah, and we FaceTime, like, every other day. Literally today, Mama was like, um, we haven't FaceTimed with Ida yet today. Should we call her? <laughs> I think you guys did call me. We called you. Yeah, we didn't yeah. FaceTime. I get annoyed with FaceTime, but yeah, we, we did call you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, my relationship with the kids is, like, extremely important to me. So that is a priority for, for show. Listen, if you want me to bring them over there more. I did not say that. I'm happy. The kids, the thing about the sleepovers <laughs> is that these kids don't sleep. No, they which don't. I'm sure a lot of people. You're telling me? <laughs> I know, but I need so much sleep. And like, so when someone is, and I like set them up on an air mattress, I'm not even like, I don't even sleep with them, but somehow they migrate their little heinies into bed with me. <laughs> and just then they're, I'm just like, here's your tablet. And then their tablets will like bust. And I'm like, kill me. <laughs> I'm just trying to get some sleep here. <laughs> so I enjoy our sleepovers, but um, they're a lot. So I don't know. But yes, I love the kids. They're, you know, very special to me. And that's never going to change. Yeah. Well, they they love you too. They They do have like a really special and unique bond with you that I think is like very important to, I, I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere, but I just think we, it's important to nurture that for sure yes definitely well is there anything else you'd like to add no um thank you to your podcast audience for being so kind loving supportive um you know i feel like a lot of them follow me and that is so sweet it um yeah i I feel like I've kind of sound like a little bit of a downer, but like, I mean, you know, I, this is really hard and I'm doing well, you know, I'm doing, I'm so ready to take my trip. Like, oh my God. Like I usually travel a ton, you know? So mm-hmm. that's just like a huge thing. Like I'm nervous. Cause I'm like, oh my God. Like, taking a plane I literally I mean I'm fully vaccinated and I am like the last person to like freak out about COVID because I went through something actually catastrophic during COVID (laughs) whereas everyone just had this like unfounded fear so I mean whatever and I'm I'm not trying to like take away like that but I mean I know a lot of people who had COVID and they're all fine so and I, I know that some people aren't but um yeah, but I dealt well, you know, I was, you know, in the hospital several times during the height of COVID and it was very scary and horrible. And um, so I'm just excited to like get on a plane, go to Florida, go in the pool, you know, eat key lime pie. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited for key lime pie. That is a highlight for sure. Come on. It is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. I should it's mention, serious. he said, this is for like our family reunion. 
we are not going. We're going on a vacation like that same time, but they're going you to mean Florida. you and your yes. family. My the five of us. We are we're going on a vacation like that same time, but we're going to Tennessee. We did not want to um get on a plane with all of our kids and also just spend all that money. So <laughs> our trip we're driving, it's a little more budget friendly, but we're very excited. Yeah. Who's gonna watch the dog? Um we are working on that. Okay. <laughs> could you bring her to mom's or that wouldn't work? Um, I could bring her to mom's if mom is going to stay home, but I, I think also... she's going to stay home. She has not. I mean, this trip is in like two weeks and yeah, still, still working out some kinks. Okay. Um, yeah. So vacation's coming up for everyone. All right. Anything else we should add before we wrap this up? No, I feel like, I mean, it's just been a crazy, crazy, crazy year craziest hardest year of my life hardest thing I've ever dealt with but time I mean I just I always say it like time is you know time is the gift I mean it's a curse that's kind of for me that's how I feel right now but like it's also a huge gift and like as time goes on I will become more adjusted to this I mean it makes some things harder it makes some things easier um but yeah, I mean, I never thought when I got this news a year ago, I don't, I couldn't have thought that I'd be talking about it in a year in such like a calm, um, I don't want to say emotionless, but like I can talk about this without breaking down or having a panic attack or, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's my life and I still have fun and I still laugh and, um, I still enjoy things and I don't know. Do you feel like I? Um, no, I think you sound like, you know, realistic. I feel like we're, we both sound like a little bit tired, which we probably are, but yeah. (laughs) Um, I like, honestly, for me, I feel like, yeah, the fact that we're a year, like, I don't know. I might start crying. I can't believe that, you know, a year later like this isn't the worst thing that we've dealt with like I just can't believe that like we've had oh no no this is the worst thing I've ever dealt with what are you talking about no I I mean this the brain cancer obviously is the worst thing that you've had to deal with personally um but I just mean like since Brian died like I just can't believe like we've had like in a calendar year like I just mean like since Brian has passed away like I just can't believe that like like I I thought that cancer would be like the worst thing ever um but like I didn't know that there was like more like horrible sad stuff like coming up is what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah it's just it's just like this is something that I'm gonna have to manage deal with except take the roller coaster ride for the rest of my life. There's no like, you know, I'm not going to get the clean bill of health. I'm not going to get the, um, the cancer's gone. And then that feeling of like, that I see a lot of people with cancer have where they, you know, I don't, I think anyone with cancer, if it's, you know, not just like some easy thing that like, is like, I mean, I don't want to make light of melanoma. I know people who have died for melanoma, but I also know people who, you know, had a mole taken off and it's, they don't fear cancer, you know? 
So I'm not trying to make a light of melanoma in particular, but like if you've had a serious cancer, like I like not like mine, because I won't get that clean bill of health. But like there are so many cancers where you get like a you're in remission, like you're there's it's any you're NED, which means no evidence of uh, disease. Um, so like the hard thing is knowing like I won't have that and I have to just go by these scans that I get every three months um, and basically it's almost like you live like in three month increments. That's kind of how, where I'm at right now. I mean, hopefully, hopefully that changes, you know, I'm only a year out from this huge, massive, biggest thing that ever happened to me that like shook up my life. And it sucks that like the biggest thing that ever happened to me is such a sad, awful thing. Um, but I mean, you don't know what you're, what's going to happen. You know, we don't know what we're in for and we only have one life. And unless we're, I don't know, what kind of religion believes in more than one life? I don't know. <laughs> there are some. Um, but I mean, I think we only have one life and <laughs> pretty I sure. Mean, so this is mine and this is the hand I've been dealt and I'm not going to let it like ruin my life, but it has definitely been a long, hard year navigating all that has come with a brain cancer diagnosis. It has been very, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. No, it, ha- it really, there's been it's it's definitely been like a test for sure yeah so but yeah i mean you know thank you everyone for all your support megan i love you love you too thank you for your support it has been a trying trying time um but you know we all have to deal with stuff and you know, we just have to take it as it comes and then take it one day at a time. I remember at Brian's funeral, the priest, priest, priest said, take it like three minutes at a time or three. I don't know. I was like, I need in the beginning of anything. I feel like you need to take it one minute at a time. Like, like in the beginning for me, I just, I couldn't go more than like a minute. Like I needed, like, I just it's so like hard to just be in the beginning of something to just keep yourself alive and keep yourself, you know, and let yourself break down and let yourself grieve and let yourself feel like I didn't really talk a lot about my therapist, but I mean, he is just so wonderful and is just very much like talks all the time about the need to, emote the need to discharge as he says and like let that feelings all the feelings leave your body and get out of your body because otherwise that like sadness will just continue to manifest itself in you and you don't want that you want to get it out get those bad feelings out get the pain out cry you know and it's not you know it's not weak to cry it's not weak to emote to lose your shit like you it's something that needs to happen it's a physical necessity so yeah I agree for sure I think feeling your feelings and not like trying to cover them or like 
buffer them, I think is just imperative for like any kind of healing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just talk about that a lot with, you know, people getting an autism diagnosis. Um, but really any, any kind of, you know, difficult thing you're dealing with, I think it's just so important to, yeah, like let all those feelings out, talk about them. If, if it's too hard for you to talk about them, write them down, just find a way that you're not holding on to all of it because that is, you're, you're really just doing yourself a disservice and prolonging the process. And one thing I always say is like, people are multifaceted, like, or people are multi-dimensional. Like you can be strong and also be devastated like you can be a parent finding out about autism and grieving and still love and cherish your family you know as much as humanly possible and that's how I feel now like I can be devastated and I can be broken by what I'm going through but I can also be very strong and you know, get through the day and hear those hard words and still, you know, keep, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the important thing is to, you know, look for those places where you, where you have gratitude and can just hold on to those things because I feel like that's really important too. Uh-huh for show all right well let's wrap this up then thank you so much everybody for listening i agree with what melissa said this community is incredible and not just to me but to her too and i'm so grateful for all of you um if you want to connect with melissa where can they find you i'm on instagram at at the zill z-i-l-l the zill yes and i post all the time about well not all the time but like anytime anything's going on i post about and i beg for prayers oh yeah Mm -hmm. a real prayer beggar yes um and i share her stuff too but yeah you can always connect with me on instagram at adventures and autism pod or on facebook at adventures and autism podcast or you can email me at adventures and autism 2018 at yahoo.com next week i've got a big episode coming up joey gorga (laughs) it's not joey gorga Melissa knows who it is, but I'm, I'm keeping it a secret, but, um, yeah, I recorded, I recorded with my, celebrity. it's me again. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. Melissa again. She's going back. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my celebrity guest actually just today and it was amazing and I'm so excited. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. So stay tuned for that one. Um, and that is all for now. So take care. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or 
ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well. But you can pick from any of their titles. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook.